Our whole It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell. Pro wrestling all, all the time here right now. I'm back. I'm back on my own pro wrestling show. So get the heck fired up fresh off, of course. A wild weekend. WWE Survivor Series, NXT TakeOver War Games, the overall NXT Invasion. We got a lot to talk about on that fallout and recapping a red hot raw on this holiday week. Sprinkle in some Wednesday night talk, of course, and get down to the bottom of all things pro wrestling. Are you with me? Can you feel it? Can you feel what I'm talking about? I feel that. I felt it in my bones. All right, all right. This show, of course, underwritten, sponsored, backjacked by that one and only performance-enhancing audio. Untraceable, folks, unmistakable. So get yourself some of that. Happy Thanksgiving week, the best holiday going in American traditions this day. Outside, of course, the great Christmas, but you can pick whatever holiday you like best. You're a Hanukkah guy, Kwanzaa. Hey, we'll rock Kwanzaa together. We'll do a special on the show. Whatever you got, enjoy the holiday season, folks. You know, I'm going to be getting down on some meat pie myself on Thursday. But uh, let me bring in two gentlemen who you know very well did an admiral job giving their initial instant thoughts this weekend post-Survivor Series. Here's my co-hosts. Say hello to the bad guy. Uh, he doesn't like what you say? He'll block your ass. His name is the Silver King. It's Adam Silverstein. And now, this is going to be a fun episode. I have a feeling BC is going to be eating some of those WWE and Raw words that he's been spitting the last couple of weeks. You mean challenging them to be better and than they did? Uh, right. Sure. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll be eating that pie, I mean, all day. Dean Ambrose looks like he wants a piece of this pie. Hey, speaking. Tag. Wow, tag. Speaking of Dean Ambrose and the pie, um, it is a holiday week. So we got a holiday treat for you this week. Which is bonus audio and a bonus pro wrestling audio edition that features the man who did and does and still gets a piece of that pie. The one and only AEW star John Moxley, FKA Dean Ambrose. And we even have one more for you on that same pod. Holy crap, it is. The damn red machine is on this. The big red machine is on this show with your boy BC. So look out for that this week. But as far as right now and eating crow and talking raw, there's a third man. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What the hell is going on here? Uh, he's Northeast Pennsylvania's own, a Yingling enthusiast. The black and tan himself, it's Jack Crosby. Outback, how are you, bro? Yeah, yingling enthusiast. I don't want to hear that when you're off doing your other show and you can't even give me a simple shout wow. out. Wow. I, wow. I'm never letting that go. Never. Well, Cody did once say this about you. One of the best guys you'll ever meet. Huge hog. So at least you got that going for you. Um, Hey, guys, what a time to be alive. What a time to be a pro wrestling fan. Hey, what a time if you like this show to be sending us that holiday gift of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can consume fine audio. So please do that. Spread it forward. Hey, keep your jewels jolly over at Ballsy if you want to do that, too. I've been doing that this holiday season. Just freshen it up. You got to keep it nice. You got to keep it fresh. All right. Uh, you know, Adam teased. Adam teased off the top the big topic we're going to be getting into this week. And, of course, um, we're all in that TakeOver Survivor Series 
hangover funk, but in a good way, and how that flowed into Raw. And I wasn't expecting much. And I got to sit here and just put my hands together and just say, holy crap, they may have this ish figured out. Now, it's just one week, but you guys both said, BC, you know, you're getting a little too crazy. Okay, you're turning on the fans. All right. You're not blocking the fans, but you're turning on the fans. Uh, you're 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 mouthing off here. The sky's falling. Get us through this season where we press pause for Survivor Series and then we'll judge. Because, of course, SmackDown, not for us, not for the, the casuals, not for anybody. SmackDown's its own island, brother. But just, SmackDown wasn't bad either, though. But for Well, how many times can you invade? I really, no. Adam, how many times can you invade? I mean, how many times? How many times can we just robotically invade with no actual storyline? And, and I mean, you know, one week it says Fox on the back of the blue T-shirts, then the next week it doesn't. I don't know what's going on here. But <laughs> Raw came out this week, gentlemen, and I think it made an announcement. It made an announcement to me, the struggling wrestling fan on the fence with one leg on each side and the sharp part of the fence right in the old, you know, grundle there, right in the old. Pacage, right in the old Joan Sone. And they made a they, they they basically asked the question, are you with us? Are you against us? You coming with us? You're gonna stay on this side? We're gonna give you a reason to watch and stay on board. Because this week, guys, it was fresh. It had a little bit of edge, but not overly. It had squash matches that mattered under the theory of what a squash match should be to get a man over. Only they used actual talent to be squashed, which I actually like. I don't need a match where it's 50-50 the whole way and we'll trade wins every other week. And then they had matches that actually mattered. And they were awesome. And there's storyline things. And Seth Rollins is like, damn heel! And he might have some muscle wear with him. I mean, if it's going to be like this, guys, I'm back. I'm back, <laughs> baby. I am back. Because um, you call me, you call me a battered wife, and this is so funny. And Just while keep... while Survivor Series was good, and I'm not going to go on a 20 minute breakdown. You guys handled that well. It was good. It was an entertaining show. I I was a little put off by some of the booking choices. I almost felt like they were going full on NXT. Like like, hey, you like NXT? Well, here it is. We're going to ruin it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shove it places. We're gonna you know we're gonna come after you with it. And but we're gonna stuff it down your throat so hard that you're gonna enjoy this. But but I almost didn't enjoy that. Um, even though it was an entertaining show, but it proved what Monday proved, guys. And I'll give you I'll give you the the floor in a second. Was that um maybe you were right? Maybe. Survivor Series season, maybe Riyadh season, was an unforgivable pressing pause of the current status quo storyline, and it produced a lot of shit. But now that it's the, not the road to mania, but the road before the road to mania, maybe, maybe we're going somewhere. Maybe. Just maybe. So where I think you're slightly wrong is it wasn't just one week because for the episodes of the state of combat with Brian Campbell, that did not include Brian Campbell. What Jack and I talked about extensively was that WWE on raw through Paul Heyman, at least that's who we choose to give credit to for it was doing this in the, while simultaneously building towards a show that no one cares about blood money in the sand for 
and having to end the old storylines that they had, screwing up the Fiend-Seth Rollins situation while building towards a pay-per-view in Survivor Series that doesn't allow individual brand storylines. While SmackDown really struggled, Raw was giving us these nuggets every single week. They were featuring the Aleister Blacks and the Andrades and the Buddy Murphys, and they were trying to tell some of these storylines. And what I think we saw Monday night was the culmination of the vision of this is what Raw is going to be under this new regime as the B-Show. And let's not forget, we enjoyed SmackDown when it was the B-Show, when it had the workers, when Road Dog was in charge and able to do longer-term storytelling. What you're seeing on Raw with Murphy, with Andrade, Black, Rey Mysterio, we talked about it on the Instant Analysis, is, I'm not going to say long-term, but longer-term storytelling that seems to be going in a set direction. And it is exceedingly entertaining. And Monday night, they didn't pay off the storylines, but they paid off the hope. They paid off Jack and I and, and, and you a little bit last week before saying, SmackDown may not be for us, quote-unquote. But Raw seems to be going in the exact direction we want as WWE fans, and we're going to give it a chance. And they paid off that hope on Monday night. Yeah, like Adam said, I mean, Paul Heyman had the chains on him between Saudi Arabia yep. and the Survivor Series. But that the, is unforgivable. The All-Star Game, so to speak. You, you can't say it is unforgivable, though. But he did a very – it is. Like, it sucks it has to be that way. WWE's he, fault, yes. He, twice did, he, he did a very, very good job in recent weeks, like we were trying to tell you, of just when he could, dropping everything, going like, look. Here, when this is all over, I promise you're going to want to tune in every Monday night. I promise you. Just be patient. And last night, that patience just paid off. Because what I like about what happened from Raw last night, between especially the U.S. title program that happened and the main event angle, is that the options that are at his disposal going forward are insane. Uh, I mean, look dude, at everything look that at the came roster out of the U.S. And every, ne- and every show they have, look at the damn rosters. I mean, it's it's gratuitous. Like, look at what came out of just... I mean, they devoted an hour to the United States title, which they had to because now that has become the de facto top title on Raw when, as Brock takes one of his hiatuses. That which is, is the top which title. Which is in probably now through Christmas. Probably, yeah. Yeah. But when... I mean, the options going forward for Ray. What they had immediately with AJ and Randy coming out. Then the options you have with Seth and who we assume, have to assume for the time being, his muscle, his heavies, which I love, by the way, I'm sure we'll get to. The options for those three guys going forward. Like, Paul Heyman has set himself up for months and months and months of good TV on Mondays. Well, they're going to have to bring it. They're going to have to show us that because even though you guys felt you saw little glimpses of it in recent weeks, I mean, it was really hard to have that optimism. I may have liked one segment or one match, but I'm sorry. This build the Survivor Series, like, it's 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 not as bad as it was on the build the Saudi or not as bad as it has specifically been in this in the lack of SmackDown storytelling, but it's still unforgivable for me, even in the crossover segments I enjoyed, like turning on a random NXT episode and having some of these big-name people just show up. But it like how that was freaking gratuitous as ish. It was every segment on all three shows. It was like seven straight go home episodes of the same damn theme. So when you're getting that every single it's almost like they're like, oh, wait, well, the people do like this. 
hold on. It's like you can imagine them in the boardroom going, well, the people do like this NXT thing, and they like when they when the brands cross together. So let's just spend the next five episodes just shoving it down their throat. And it's like that's not telling me a story. That's not advancing things. I'm glad you guys were able to pick some kernels out of the nugget, out of the the dong, out of the dung. Sorry, not dong. Out of the some kernels out of the dung of hope. But if they have a consistency like they had on Monday night, and every episode starts to look like Raw. Even me, AEW, NJPW, 2019 indie fan Brian Campbell will tell you Raw has a chance to win the critical battle every single week because that episode of Raw, if it can be that good every week, it's not that far away from what I'm getting out of AEW that I love in this early going where they haven't done anything to piss us off and there's no tropes and everything feels fresh and new. Like, damn, we need that, but it doesn't to me just forgive everything we went through. Like, wake up, WWE. You make a good point about them almost overdoing the invasion stuff. I think Friday SmackDown, go home show, I'll accept it. It was a good show. It was fine. You have to also remember, though, on Raw, the prior Raw, they still were doing the storylines that we're talking about. They had the Buddy Murphy, Aleister Black. They had Andrade stuff. They had Rusev, Bobby Lashley. So they were still telling Raw storylines. They also had three hours, so they had more time to do it. But they were also giving us angles they gave us a takeover angle with Undisputed Era attacking Kevin Owens, which gave him the reason to be the surprise entrant in that match. There were things that paid off that were storyline stuff for Survivor Series as opposed to just invasion, invasion, invasion. So, yeah, they were in a rough spot. I think they handled it the best they possibly could given how bad things were because of Saudi, because of bad booking, just straight up. Um And then we go into this week and we had a three-hour Raw where, you know, I I hope that we're breaking it down soon. Um, I found something to really latch onto in almost every single segment. And even things I didn't think were great, Seth Rollins for the 12th time in 14 TV matches winning by disqualification, it's it's getting old. Um, There was a storyline reason why it happened this time. Asuka Charlotte. There something happened in that match, which hopefully we talk about, but there's a storyline reason why it happened. And as a wrestling fan, if you're going to ask me to watch, take three hours on a Monday night, I say this all the time, particularly during football season. And if you want me to have raw on that main TV, well, you have to deliver for me. They had not been doing that for the full three hours last night. I didn't give a thought to changing the channel. I also had Monday night football on a projector. Anyway, Um, that game was crap, but I never thought once like, oh, Raw is worse than the football game. It was better the entire night. Three straight hours, Raw was better than the NFL. I'm ready. I'm ready for this new Raw season. Um, I don't know. I don't have the faith that they know what they're doing on SmackDown to repair that. So I almost think of it as its own thing. But guys, what Wednesdays have been giving us is just insane. It's insane. I'm watching both shows back to back. I'm not waiting until the next morning uh, in I'm so damn fired up, and if we can get that spirit and that spark back on Monday, it's coming together. It's come, it, It'll help the urge overkill that we're getting of too much wrestling, believe me. Although I sadly feel like NWA, with the loss of Cornette, and rightfully so, is is going to take a step back for a bit, even especially in my heart of, of, of attention and, and aggression going after this stuff. But I feel good. I feel good. Um, obviously, NXT TakeOver on Saturday – was the damn balls it was fan friggin tastic i mean it's just it's great it's great every single time um 
while I'm able to tell you, like I did to open the show, that Sunday Survivor Series was very entertaining. There really wasn't a match that pissed me off. I mean, the, the main event did not live up to expectations. It was somewhat of a fail, and I had fears of that, given that only one of those three are, are really, really good workers. And I really thought uh, the ending is just absurdly lame to have Becky try to stand tall like that when she lost the match. I was a little fearful overall that you're taking the end. What we love about NXT, right? Storytelling, always perfect. NXT storytelling, always perfect. Always perfect, right? Always. How how often is it perfect, guys? It's always perfect. And you're sort of shoving that into WWE main roster storytelling, which is confusing. Like, why is the, the NXT girls turning heel in that moment? Little moments like that, I hate. But it's an all-star game. I understand that. I hope this whole experiment, because, uh, look, it was a positive from what WWE tried to do on a main roster standpoint with this experiment. They put over the NXT stars better than you ever could have thought, wanted, or hoped. You guys probably talked about this at length. Real Ripley monster star. I mean, Tommaso Ciampa got an unbelievable shine. Keith Lee, to close, you know, at the end of Survivor Series, got an insane shine. So from a business standpoint, they succeeded. They pushed these people, at, even to like the heart of hearts BC, who's like, well, do I really want Orton and Ciampa tra- trading punches? Look at the size difference. I even got over that. They presented that so strong. But I hope they can learn from how great Saturday was and how great Saturdays always are to just take some of that storytelling vision and ideals and bring it to Sunday nights. And obviously, like it's hard to complain about Survivor Series. It was an enjoyable journey. It was good. But it can be that great. So, Jack, put on your... Take what you know from dirt sheets. Take what you know from experience and years as a fan. Take what you know about being a dreamer about this business. And tell me, what is actually the difference between the the war rooms on Saturday night when they plan that out to perfection and the war rooms for Sunday night? Is it as simple as we say, one has trips in the in the pilot's chair and one doesn't? Can can we start seeing Survivor Series and Royal Rumble and pay backlash? feel like a takeover will this experiment lead to that or is it just a fun all-star game and back to business as normal no this will be it was just a fun all-star game and back to business as normal i mean nxt and the quote-unquote main roster brown smackdown it's two different entities because everything still goes through Vince mcmahon and they still have that ungodly large team of writers who serve what purpose some don't know not even some of the workers know, whereas NXT is made up of Triple H and a bunch of experienced veterans that know how to tell stories from the territory and know how to era. Pick, and they know how to pick the right people to tell the right stories like no one in NXT ever seems like they're out of place. Sometimes you can have on Raw or Smackdown a good story, but it doesn't seem like the right pieces are in place. It's like they they chose the wrong actors and actresses for the movie. NXT rarely ever does that. Ever. Probably, actually, probably never. But, no, I mean, we're, we're only at phase one here. We have The Raw coming out of Survivor Series. Was good. I was, I'm actually more interested, to be honest with you, of how NXT looks on Wednesday. Because what, where, where did they go after this? Like, Rob was good, but NXT got a lot of their shine. Now, what do they do with that shine? That's fair. That's a fair statement. And shout out to your dog in the background. From the moment we saw him, we thought, sex. 
Which NXT do- also. Which dog is this, Jacko? Somebody's chirping in. Yeah, upstairs. All right. Uh, Welcome to NXT. the show. Welcome to the show. You know. NXT also benefits from what AEW benefits from, which is it's a contained unit of people that is producing two hours of television a week. Whereas, you know, as Jack said, Vince is still largely in control of Raw and SmackDown. Even if we want to praise Paul Heyman still getting approved by Vince, he still has a large hand in what's going on. They're doing five hours of live television a week for, you know, USA Network and Fox. And Fox, certainly Vince is even more hands-on about and this guy's doing XFL, which is starting in 2020 as well, really five months away. So, you know, it you do benefit when you have a small group focusing on a small period of time and are, they're able to have that long-term booking where that is something WWE Maine has struggled from for as long as we've, you know, well, as long like, as it's existed, basically. For as much as I'm oddly fearful, almost putting the negative lining on the cloud that this experiment leads to somewhat of a watering down of what we love about NXT. I'm optimistically hopeful that slowly the flip side will happen and more people in that Vince War Room can go, damn, crowds really seem to love everything that happened on Saturday night. How do we get that in our building? Probably a slower process than we thought. But we got a lot more coming for you. Breakdown of Raw, our Wednesday night thoughts, all that, and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It's your boy, BC, who'll be back right after this with a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. And we're back. Yes, we're back. We're ready to talk this raw revolution. Are you guys ready for a revolution? Are you guys ready for a revolution? Yes, thank you, Conrad. We are. But before I even get into that raw revolution, uh, gentlemen, and uh, did you catch the damn Stone Cold Sessions? Uh, whatever they call that, Broken Skull Sessions with the damn Taker and Steve Austin? Do I need 90 minutes of two legends doing whiskey shots, talking about territory stories and out drinking Cypress Hill? You're damn friggin' right I do. Um, We had excitement and apprehension entering this experiment because of how underexposed Mark Calloway has been in this. It was a slow build to get there once that show started. Did you guys exit like me, full mast, fired the hell up? Well, I didn't watch it, so Jack, go for it. Adam, you missed the the biggest thing in pro wrestling this week. Yeah, I had to edit and publish a podcast very late after Survivor Series. So I'm sorry I have the opportunity. We should get podcast editors for this show. That would be very helpful. I'm sorry. I was getting my wife to shut the dogs up. Oh, these dogs are welcome part of the show. Uh, Jacko, did you see Stone Cold and Taker? Loved it. I mean, every single second of it. I'm not a Taker guy. We know that. I call him Patrick Ewing in the magic jersey. And could he not have done a better job to just win you over, not just from embodying the locker room, you know, general that he's always been, but telling some pretty badass stories, dude. There were a lot of good stories. The most interesting part to me, just for as long as I've been a fan and seeing Taker since his debut, was when Steve asked him, who's the one person you went to for advice to begin? And Jake the Snake Roberts was... It, it was it was an interesting answer, but it was one that made me sit back and say that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, that he would go to Jake. It did surprise me that he uh, broke into the business in Buzz Sawyer's front yard, but that's an interesting story as well. And and I mean, look, I'm so happy from his can how candid he was talking about the concussion at WrestleMania 30 with with Brock 
through how detailed and long and slow he went on the process that nobody's going to retire him, that he's going to author his own story. You see how stubborn this guy is. And I, Jack, I like I, I came through a deeper level of respect for a performer who I always respected, but never loved and do and did think has hung on for far too long. And I'm glad they said, should you have retired after Roman? Should you have retired after Brock? Should you have retired after the Triple H rematch at Mania? They got into all that, but yet after hearing Mark Calloway's reasonings and that stubborn beast inside of him, man, I'm almost like fanboy now. Also really, really concerning to hear from his lips that the last thing he remembers from WrestleMania 30 was Michelle coming to talk to him like four hours before yeah, the show went that, on the air. That That's how good. far back he got knocked out. And I know my father was in a bad car accident a few years ago. And to this day, he can't remember. And he remembers sitting on the couch about an hour before he left the house. And that's it. That's all he remembers from that day. But that was scary in itself to hear him actually say that. Cause we read all these reports and, what actually happened that day, but that being the last thing he remembers was, wow, that was concerning. Yeah, I mean, look, normally when I say Taker, I think... And the ultimate thrill ride... Say it, Mark. ...will be your last ride. But now I'm like, but, now I'm what, like, I love this F- mf But we'd be remiss, though, Brian. How cool was that Cypress Hill story? Amazing. Amazing. How? I need so much more of that. I heard... Did you I see heard, the look in his eye? Imagine telling The Undertaker... I heard you can party and having that big bastard turn around and look at you and go, okay, come on. Yeah, we're, we're doing this. We're doing this. And I'm going to be the last man standing. And, and, uh, him, and him and like him and X-Pac, he's like, it's me and X-Pac. So me and Sean, or I'm like, I'm trying to picture in my head, the undertaker, Sean Waltman and Cypress Hill doing shots, closing the bar down, going back upstairs. Look, that, oh, what an amazing story that was. You know, Austin doing the I like I listen to pot, Austin's pot every week. I liked that series he had in the past on the network. But if he can do one like this, that's even more loose and they're pumping out whiskey shots and you can see the change that's making. Dude, I am so damn dialed in because they they hit the right stories. They told that they, they really they really worked. And I want more from Taker. I want more. And Steve, look, Steve's really evolved into a, a really unique sort of uh you know storyteller and, and driver of an interview so uh great stuff all around great piece of business for adam or anyone else who did not catch it um damn damn man on on the note of the network while we're here uh they also just released a wwe untold with sting and seth rollins about their match at night of champions and him returning at wrestlemania very good even better than that is a table for three with the apa and teddy long which these three were best friends on the road. Uh, Ron and uh, Farouk, you know, Ron Simmons, sorry, Ron Simmons and JBL are best friends in real life. And watching it, you feel like you're part of like this clique that you didn't even know really existed to the depth that they talk about. If you are, are a big time wrestling fan, especially an Attitude Era wrestling fan, that is a must watch. Uh, brief tidbits before we get into Raw here. Uh, we mentioned the Cornette firing. I don't think we actually went at length on this show about it. There's really not much to say. It deserved it. It was an awful line. They left it in. But this hurts NWA. He was a, a big part of that throwback feel. His commentary work was fantastic on there. It, and, and if you look, I don't know who's going to replace him, but um, it, it really 
like the, the tone in his voice and the experience and the way he's calling matches like it's 1986. It just worked perfectly. And I don't condone the corny joke he said. And it's just it sucks. I, I wish there was a better way yeah. than you're fired. I wish there was some other way to now, fix this. It seems like it seems like they just wanted no. to say, hey, I'm sorry. And it won't happen again. And he wouldn't. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, I still to they're giving you an opportunity. I still have a huge problem here. Adam, this is for you and I. I said this on Twitter. Don't know if you saw it. Well, Jim Cornette is Jim Cornette. His views on the world still suck here in 2019, and it came across on a microphone. However, I got a bigger problem with NWA. Adam, we are editors at this website. We are human. We make mistakes. Absolutely. It happens. Things slip through the cracks. But there are certain things that no matter how quick you look at a story, or anything else, just immediately sound the alarm. Those people that edited that show, Cornette saying that should have sounded the alarm, and that should have never, ever made its appearance on YouTube. And they found it in September, by the way. There are certain things that sound the alarm. Like, little things will slip through the cracks. It happens, we're human. But something like that, that sounds just the, the loudest alarm in your ear and you got to do something about it. it. It does. And you're hundred percent right. I mean, there have been podcasts, especially when BC and I in the past would get really amped up at each other where an F word would fly. And I, the first thing I did while recording and I'm on the show is I put a timestamp on my thing. I went, Oh, 18 minutes in, I got to make sure I get that out of there. I, cause I screwed up, you know? Um, so no, especially when you're doing the final edit of a show and you're listening for imperfections and all these things, Jim shouldn't have said it. It doesn't excuse anything he said. Um, I think his explanation that it was a joke about starvation and not race is plausible, but it's still not good because why joke about starvation? So it, it's it's a fail no matter what, um, but it never should have made air in the first place because it's a tape show. And, and if it came down they, to he could have deserve a portion of the blame. And if he could have kept his job by by being – humble about it then fail him for not and losing yeah, hey, it and that's hey funny. guys hey guys i didn't mean it in the context you're taking it i'm really sorry it will never happen again it's an old joke that's not appropriate but in that sucks for them and the other big piece of business is the Corey graves moro ronaldo situation and obviously full disclosure i love me some moro we love me some moro on this show uh can i play the cruiserweight classic soundbite <laughs> Uh, but something that sucks happened here. And, you know, you can read the Meltzer dirt sheets and take from it what you want. But the Corey Graves subtweet happened. Moro turned off his Twitter after that. Didn't show up on Survivor, or didn't show up on the air on Survivor Series. Michael Cole gives what uh, we all could see as a th- see through excuse about his voice. Um, I hope Moro comes back this Wednesday. I don't know what really happened. I didn't reach out to Moro and get the news. I don't have inside info, but. Uh, if we're just going to grade on the Corey Graves public subtweet and not even consider Moro's condition or anything, it just sucks. It just sucks. It sucks to see Frank Shamrock, MMA legend and Moro's manager, basically tweet F you at, at Corey and, and be like, come see me. This whole thing sucks. It's unprofessional. And considering what Moro went through with the company in the past, now you're bringing it into some dangerous territory. We talked about this on the incident analysis, so we don't need to go – Jack and I at least don't need to go long on it. But A, it's unacceptable to talk about a coworker that way. B, pot meat kettle. His criticism for Morrow is exactly what Corey Graves does. And C, if you don't care for a coworker and you want to talk crap about him, fine. But there is – Morrow and Allo famously – this isn't a private personal 
situation with him, he famously has bipolar disorder. This is a man who you, you don't have to treat him with kid gloves. He's an adult, but you have to know that certain things can set him off for Corey Graves, not only to do it, but then to leave it up, double down on it and not delete it yeah, and not, apologize, and not do anything. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that Morrow has guys like boss Rutten and Frank Shamrock in his corner. Um, because I hope, listen, I'm not saying someone should punch someone else, but I I wouldn't mind if Frank Shamrock happened uh, to bump into Corey Graves at some point. It's That'd a it's a crap cool. move by Corey Graves. Problem is, I really like Corey Graves. Met him and interviewed him many times. Consider him a you know a good a good acquaintance, and and I hate to see that. I hate to see that involving two guys I really like that are so talented. And again, with the whole bullying thing that went on in the past, you can't you just can't do this. You can't do this. It speaks so bad for your company. I hope they can all bring it back together and figure it out behind the scenes, not on Twitter, behind the scenes where it belongs and figure it out. All right. What was in front of us was raw this week. Like we talked about the big storyline, guys. Seth Rollins is finally a heel and it's great. This town hall meeting was perfect, swarmy, cringy Rollins who thinks he's better than everybody. And what I loved about this heel turn is that it didn't come in such a, there's a way to turn heel where you just go beat up somebody who's a good guy, right? And, it, and it, you don't have to be connected to them. And like, oh my God, what's going on in Seth's head? No, they kind of long played this. Now, do I think they too long played it, meaning he could have and should have easily turned heel after the, the Bray situation, and that would have explained a lot about why that feud was so short and the way that played out of Hell in the Cell. But for us to get here in a way in which he's almost doing like 90s Bob Backlund, he's changing by not changing at all, or, or, or 90s Bret Hart even, just like, you know, I think I'm I'm so good and you guys suck. Like that con- that little one-by-one one rip job he did and Randy Orton walking away doing the jerk-off motion. I mean, guys, this is this is five-star <laughs> TV. This is fan friggin' tastic. What I loved so much about it is that the town hall at the beginning of the show was a meta storyline coming off Meltzer's fictitious report, bad sourcing of Seth yeah. giving a rah-rah speech at the town hall following blood money in the sand. So they gave that to the smarks of like, Hey guys, look what we're doing. Then it's a perfect way. As you said, BC for the Seth Rollins character. And I don't think he's fully healed yet, but he's beginning this heel turn. Certainly because Seth always thinks he like the best heels many times, the best heels think they're the face. They think they're a good guy and everything they do is for positive reasons, but they don't realize the negative impact it has on others. So it's, I don't want to say it's next level because it's really not. We've seen it before, but it is a scenario where Seth Rollins thinks he's the good guy. He's the locker room leader. He's following in the footsteps of Roman Reigns and The Undertaker and guys like that. But what he doesn't realize, and it doesn't take him until the end of that first segment to realize, is that he's the one turning everyone off. And then they pay it off at the end of the show where he still doesn't think he's that guy. And AOP comes in and attacks Kevin Owens. Or, or Owens slaps AOP first. We don't know what AOP was going to do, but slaps them and Seth's there and he's like, oh, well, I'm not going to pile on because I think I'm a good guy. But then he sees prone Kevin Owens and the heel nature inside of him takes over and he hits him with the stomp twice. I thought it was a perfectly told story. They did the backstage, uh, a picture in picture of both of them. They had Owens cut the promo backstage that he didn't get to cut in the ring, which is a very Steve Austin attitude era type of storytelling where Austin would just do a stunner and explain himself later. I thought it was an A plus. Everything about that was good. You know, and to a point, it, it sort of reminded me 
touching on like current events. It was almost like a MAGA thing. Like we say, especially with Seth, when he kept saying he wants to make Rob great again, almost in a sense, he'd make Rob bet. Like it was everything about this was perfect because they leaned right into what everyone thinks about Seth Rollins, especially on Twitter these days. He's annoying. He's insufferable. I mean, hell, Kevin Owens himself called him an insufferable little prick, which echoed <laughs> the sentiments of just about everyone out there on social media right now. Like uh, he was speaking, he was the voice of the people, the voice of the voiceless, you know, so I, to speak. I still think we can we can get there. Probably won't happen, but I still think now that Seth is going heel, we're look where he belongs. Twenty fifteen, Seth Rollins was one of the best years anyone has had this decade. Uh, he belongs at heel, but I think seeing that interaction between Rain, Reigns and Rollins at at Survivor Series, man, it gave me those feels like this is the feud I want. This is the Mania main event I want. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think they're going to invest them down that road in the storyline. I mean, do you have the same fears I have that the only person that's going to be able to stop Ray Wyatt is is uh, is Roman freaking Reigns? Probably. Probably deep inside you have that same feeling. But uh, look, Seth, Seth can do monster business. And if they're giving him this kind of pro muscle with these two dudes, I don't know why they're forcing AOP to go shirtless. But uh AMP security next to Seth is is big business. This is absolutely fantastic. I love it. Let's keep rolling on with that. Um, I also love, guys, that we're doing what we should, which is letting Hoska being a title contending heel. I mean, I love me going back to Muta and beyond the, the green mist. They're even getting borderline green mist gratuitous, and I'm still sitting <laughs> in that mist going, yep, give me more. Give me more. And I never knew I needed... Uh, Kyrie saying as this like little like uh, uh, Adam's not a Star Wars guy. Jack, what's um, uh, Job of the Hutt's little sidekick? Salacious Crumb. Remember like I've ever seen a Star Wars movie uh, before kidding. in my life. Come on, lame. you both are the worst. Really, right oh. now you both are the worst. Right? She's a gnat. She, she's an annoying gnat. She's, she's this Salacious Crumb. Of, yeah. of, uh, thing that you also hate, but but you just you don't want her anywhere near you. And and Charlotte played that off well. And it's great. And this is if this is a feud we need. Uh, look, I like I'm not. Oscar should not be relegated to tag teams. We've talked. We said it over and over. I think. I think. She, I still think she's the greatest female wrestler I have ever watched. See, I wouldn't. BC, not to interrupt you. I wouldn't actually call this relegated. I agree. Yeah. Since the heel turn. Now, 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 now. Relegation would be a good term. I think when they paired her, them up with Paige, which was terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think this heel version is going to enhance both Asuka and Kyrie Sane. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted no, I to toss that. that in there. Well, no, you make you make a good point because the boss and hug connection was relegated to tag team, not just because they didn't do anything interesting with them at all, but there were many weeks they weren't even on television. The thing that you can say is positive with the Kabuki Warriors is they are on TV every week. Kyrie's in a singles match, Asuka's in a singles match, or they're in a tag team match against good opponents and they've been going over. So they've been using the Kabuki Warriors to strengthen both of them, where singles booking for them prior to that had really failed them. I mean, they put Asuka over Charlotte. Like, it finally happened, and they did it in a way where you still don't feel like she got over Charlotte because she used the mist and she rolled her up. And by the way, expert professional wrestling from Asuka, she sprayed her with the mist, the ref's back was turned. Then when she pinned her, she covered Charlotte's face with her body so the ref didn't see the mist when he counted the one, two, three. Asuka, I don't think she's the I think, you know, Io Shirai has kind of stolen that moniker for me. She may not be the best, but that was 
No, I think the, I think Oscar is the best I've ever seen, and I'm still standing by that until somebody laps her, and they probably will. And look, if so, they can ever give Sasha the right booking and allow her to do the best she can inside the ring, she may get there too. Charlotte, we got it. We're in a great, obviously, we're in a great, 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 great period for women right now. But I'm still not done with undefeated Oscar, and if we can get back there, thank you, thank you, WWE. This is what I need in my. Did life. you? Th- after weeks of us kind of going back and forth on Rusev Lashley, BC. Yes. Did you think this week they finally not paid it off? Obviously, there's still a ways to go, but they actually gave us a compelling segment. Yeah, they put it back on the tracks and they, <laughs> they've been going road to nowhere very click, quickly. And uh, look at all. What did they do? They added storyline wrinkle. They added some, you know, uh, they they made us care. They made us care about Rusev's quest. And then, you know, fun little creativity in the brawl segments, knocking over the pole, knocking him down. Like it, everything about that worked. And. Uh, I don't think these two can put yeah. on a great match that necessarily sells it, like pays it off. But there, if there's a an ending to this story, Macho and Elizabeth type ending to this story, then like, look, we want storytelling, right? Like, like we all, we, it's like this. I, I always say, it. oh yeah, I heard you guys love steak. Well, here's a raw piece. No, we want, we want it seasoned. We want it cooked. We want it done the right damn way. All right, don't just throw beef in our mouths and be like, that's what you asked for. No, I don't want a TV dinner. I want some nuance, and they're they're doing it now. So let's go all the way with it, okay? Go go to the ending. Consummate that thing. Let's do it. This now- might be the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of people wanting Rusev to be a top star when all is said and done. The reactions he's getting from these crowds, and when you could pop a Chicago crowd like he did last night, remember, and we just talked about the guy last week, some of Stone Cold Steve Austin's most, more one of his some of his more memorable segments were during his rise. It wasn't WrestleMania 14 and beyond. It was his rise towards WrestleMania 14 and all those badass segments he did. Like Rusev getting hauled off in cuffs. That was the first time I saw a wrestler in a long time get hauled off in cuffs on television, and I didn't groan. I thought it was great. Him getting hauled away. Hold on, hold on. What about Becky and Ronda? Nah, I wasn't much. That was not groan inducing. That was a good segment. On the build to mania. Yeah, well, everything with Ronda Rousey with you was great. Not everything, but that was. He did hit you right in the Rousey she spot kicks, right there. She kicks out. She kicks out the window of the cop car, and they had that huge brawl, and they got taken out. In it just went a little too long for you, but that's that's neither I here. That's neither here nor there. But all in all, that that women's main event Survivor Series, the the clothes like it lacked oh. Rousey. They set the stage for Rousey, and we didn't get oh. it. But with that said, her cringe factor. I'm almost still going home happy. I really can't wait to show the man how it's really done. Oh, not, oh I forgot not, about that. Not to get completely off raw, but just because it we you. We haven't heard from you on Survivor Series. What, what I told Jack in the instant analysis, and I'm curious if you agree, I thought it was a very good show. What I thought Survivor Series missed was that one memorable moment. They didn't give it to us with Rousey. And again, it's not to say the booking was necessarily quote unquote wrong, but they didn't give it to us with Rousey. They could have put Ray over because Brock doesn't need the title to have feuds, um, so on and so forth. Keith Lee could have actually beaten Roman after also beating yeah. Rollins. Do you agree with that? That it was yeah. a very good show, but if it had that one moment, it, it might have set it over well, the edge. Well, this plays into my overall criticism of of you know everything since the dirty bed sheets. You know, when, you know, I'll start a revolution from my bed. You know what I mean? Because they they said the 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 plans I had went to my head, but my head tells me that you used to send people home happy with the exact thing you said, Adam, and that's what they don't do. It's what NJPW does. All like freaking crazy. They always have one extra thing up their sleeve. AEW seems to be on that road too, where it's like, what's one more thing we can do to pop the fans or confuse the fans or, you know, pay that off? 
Dude, it was WWE's playbook in the 90s. You go back to the Attitude Era. Vince was in, in Pat Patterson by the pool. Friggin' <laughs> geniuses in Bruce Pritchard. Like, they always had that. They don't have that anymore. They don't care. Um, You know, that's why the ending of WrestleMania after 19 hours when Bex won was just like, oh, okay, how do I get out of the stadium? You know what I mean? It was just like they don't have that anymore. They don't care. When, you, when we do these big pay-per-view preview shows and we have – next level booking suggestions for four to five matches like not even the ones where it's like well what if we find out that this guy's banging this guy's no not that stuff i'm just talking not even stuff where it's like cm punk runs in not even that break glass stuff just within your own roster and they never do that it's the safest way every time they have to wake up who does that great right now Paul freaking Levesque with NXT, right? Goldie's always waiting around that the corner, right? Champa's going to be there with the crutch. You know it. It's what and, we do. It's wrestling. And AEW's done it a couple times. They did it with Hager. They did it with Moxley. They have that button to push. But you're saying next level. It's not even next level. It's just have Rey Mysterio win. They set that up for Rey Mysterio and Dominic. So they hit two 619s, two frog splashes. They both covered Brock. It would have been totally believable for him to lose that. He didn't need he doesn't need the WWE title. We're not gonna see him for a month and a half. Like, just that is all you need. But BC, they kind of paid it off in a typical WWE trope the following night on Raw when the guy loses the world title match, then suddenly gets an opportunity at the secondary title I loved and it. wins it. But I thought it was well booked this time. It, it was perfectly well booked. It was the perfect way to say this wasn't in our plans to pop you and give you this moment with Ray. So we'll come as close as we can. And that match was brilliant. It was that match was perfect car wreck Brock theater only with like WrestleMania style little extras on top of it. And then they still reward you the next night in Chicago, big Mexican American fan base and give you the Ray moment with his son and his son lifting it up. I mean, it's just great. And to have him have to go through, they almost gave him Kofi booking, having to go through a star studded four way match that mattered and meant something. And then having to beat AJ when we come back from commercial, dude, this is how we raw. This is how it could be. This is how it's supposed to be. I'm not giving them the, the credit anymore to say, well, it's Riyadh season. It's survivors. No, it's freaking 12 month wrestling season. Now it's competition season. It's time to bring your best Monday night was in the proper direction. So Brian thank Cam you. Thank Brian you. Brian Campbell. This is my Mr. crusade, Jack. Okay. This is my crusade. All right. And I will continue my crusade as long as there are people who need help. All right. I will continue to show up on this show because there's people that need to understand what wrestling could look like, smell like, taste like. All right. Come under the bed sheets with me, please. That was C-O-M-E, just so you know. You're, you're right. But my, my fellow WCW brethren, how crazy is it, though, that what... <laughs> Two of the faces leading this crusade in this in 2019 are Chris Jericho and Rey Mysterio. It's wild. It's wild, Isn't man. it? it I, I was thinking about that last night. I was like, man, here I sit, November 2019, and two of my favorite characters in all of wrestling are Chris Jericho and Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio, who went down to Columbia and just got those stem cells inserted, man. I, I, Vince, I don't know if he Vince sat on start, some PD Vince needles, should start it. mandating. Yes. Anyone on his roster that he wants to utilize over 40 years old, you're going to take a trip. I'm going to pay for Zahorian. it. You're going to go Paul see the same Dr. Raysa, <laughs> and you're going to come back. We're going to get another decade out of you. <laughs> go get down Kane? there, get them inserted, get back here. Can we get Kane down there, please? ASAP. Okay, get Kane down there. Send Taker. Get <laughs> Can we get Occam down there, too? Let's get rid of those love handles. Because Let's I, do this. Like I've, I've watched Ray Mysterio for years and years and years and years. 
it, it blows my mind that this is one of the best it, yeah, iterations of Chubby Ray. Ray was not fun. Remember that? Remember the end of Chubby Ray? That was yeah, not a fun it, era. It's terrible. And he was he, he lit one of the reasons he wasn't retained, and one of the reasons he left was it seemed like he had ten matches left. Like like he had the number counting down. He wanted to go to Mexico, do his thing there, do a New Japan thing, do this and do that. And this guy is keeping up with the best. I mean, look, AJ's also not a spring chicken, but you know he's keep, he's keeping up with Ricochet. That was crazy. I mean, we just got Rey Mysterio, AJ Styles on Raw. I mean, like these are the moments where there's so many times lately, guys. Where you, I'm, I'm doing a those people thing. It could be you two. I'm not calling you out specifically. It could be everybody on Twitter that follows us. Where you guys are just happy that they put two stars together. Even though there's no finish to the match. There's going to be a DQ running. And you're saying to yourself, wait, why am I getting this now? When this could be the main event of any pay-per-view. They didn't insult us like it this time. They actually put something at stake and it was great. And we're probably never going to get Ray versus AJ to close the show. So I'll take it right now like this. Yes. By the way, also uh, heading into Survivor Series for War Games. And and, um, look, I'll say this one one time. Okay. You know my stance on this. It's not War Games if the if the if the cage is open. And now you're gonna say that's crazy. We see they were great. They were. They were great matches. Both of them. Loved them both. Okay. Would have made minor changes maybe to the women's booking, but like loved them both. Okay. Perfect. Can you put the cage on? It's still not War Games. Well, then you won't get Io Shirai jumping backwards. I know that, but I don't know. Don't, Maybe I'm just don't an old get the school spot. I mean, it's not it's not War Games when the top's open. So just just call it something else. But that's look, fine. It was it, great. I watched 96 War Games Fall Brawl WCW to get pumped up, and I saw like a what like a 20 year old, 19 year old Rey Mysterio against Super Calo, and it was just like to see him back then and see him still doing it now. It's insane. And by the way, go back and watch that WCW 96 War Games because that was the payoff six months after Nash and Hall showed up for the invasion, after Hogan turned at Bash of the Beach, and after that initial run of slowly turning big, you know, slowly turning Paul Wentz and slowly turning and adding to the stable, and then Sting turned, and then you have the payoff that night. What a freaking build, man. Thank you. There were the People forget. People forget when WCW had it, when they were hitting those bullseyes. That was that was the time. What a time oh. to be alive. By the way, we're back because AEW's back. Okay? They're filling that WCW hole in our hearts. Um, I don't think people talk about it because there's too much wrestling on TV. And at the same time that night, NXT was doing just wild things. Like people just showing up, jumping off the roof. Not Owen style, more Sting style, more, more staying alive. Uh, too soon probably. Um, Nick Jackson versus... Uh, Ray Phoenix to open AEW last week. Are you guys freaking kidding me? Did, did you feel what I felt? Did, did you taste it? Is of it in course. your teeth still? Dude, that's just a regular TV match to open the show. That was like a freaking extravaganza. Ray Phoenix. You, you know what? Thinking back to, we had this discussion. I actually believe it was Adam. I don't think, I think it was one of your absences, BC, about the, you know, who should be in contention for wrestler of the year. Ray Phoenix, I think you gotta, even with the, even the, the, the tag team matches, I think you gotta talk about them. You're really between Triple A, but Adam, you don't watch everything. You watch the mainstream. Dude, I watched plenty but, of Ray but, Phoenix but, matches this year. You're how many Triple A Ray Phoenix matches did you watch this year? Two. I've seen two. Two? Yeah. You're talking between, about wrestler of the year though, Jack. Between Triple A, more the than just match quality, Jack. We helping, have helping helping get AEW off the ground, which he was a, which him and Pentagon are a big part of. They're ridiculous. The guy's got it. The guy's got to be at least talked about for his work. He's one of the most talented wrestlers in the world, but wrestler of the year is more than just in-ring work, as we literally just discussed on Sunday. If you're talking AEW, 
uh, people up for wrestler of the year. It's I didn't say you got to put them at the top. I it's said you Cody just got to talk about them. It's yeah. Cody and Chris Jericho. You got to I mean, consider Osprey for what he did in Japan. You got to consider Phoenix. Yeah, you, he's, you got to talk about the guy. You got to talk about his accolades. I'm not saying being, give him the damn award. Ring, but being just great in the ring, it, when you're talking about wrestler of the year, it is an award that encompasses far more than that. And Phoenix doesn't have all those other pieces. He just doesn't. Um, I think yeah, he's pretty damn bad. In 2019. I mean, that match was like, holy freaking crap. The potential that AEW has with some of these guys when they break them off, like if Pentagon goes on a run with the big belt, you know, challenge for it. I mean, like, they have a lot of what you can do. And Jack, something you pointed out, when they do break up the Jacksons for these big single matches like they did on this night, it feels like when Ricky Morton would challenge Flair. It, it, it feels got, like when Animal of the Road or, or Hawk of the Road Warriors would have a main event for the title against Flair. I love it. I freaking love it. I love what they do for me, AEW. And um, here's the deal. I hadn't seen Darby Allen's Evolve career, right? Heard about it like crazy. Saw gifts, tuned into YouTube, whatever. I am so freaking all in on him because... Is there anyone who has a more pure and organic connection with the crowd? Like, it goes beyond they think he's really cool. They like his moves. When you see people putting the half face paint on, it brings me back to, like, Jeff Hardy in his prime, where the fans were like, we get you. You are us. I will live through you. I'm getting some of that from Darby. And to see him in the main event there against uh, uh, Dean last weekend or last Wednesday, um, he this guy, like, they have built him amazingly well and i think he went from party favor trick guy in the first couple matches i saw him to me thinking like he's a main eventer i i love everything about darby allen with the exception of the body bag gimmick i think it just takes a it slows down what's otherwise two twice at least in aew and i haven't seen it elsewhere um but it has slowed down what are otherwise really exciting matches and i don't Get the unless it's going to factor into the finish, which it hasn't. I don't get it. I, I, I don't. It. I don't think is any value to it. I think the body bag's okay in certain situations. I like the Mox match. I thought it fit to send, to sort of send a message, add to his character a little bit. The the opening video and Mox spray painted. Uh, but yeah, if, if he start, you, if, if it starts, because, he's if it starts to become a regular thing that never factors in, then yeah, Adam, we have a problem. Because then it's just like, all right, what are you doing here? Like, I'd, like much, li- I'd, I'd much rather the skateboard be involved more heavily, where he skates around the ring and does a clothesline, yeah. or something like that. That's very Vince. Don't get Vince. It's like, oh, well, he's good on the skateboard. Let's have go around the ring. This is great. Where, now, you, where, where you just, or, or fine, he skates around the ring and then jumps off of it and does a hurricanrana, okay? Something cool. My point is just throwing the body bag, zipping him in it for three seconds, doing a powerbomb, then unzipping it and taking him out. It's yeah, like it's how is that not track. cool? Like, do you not know the imagery? That's saying I'm going to kill you. You're going to exit this match in this bag. That's why he brings it down with the name of his I, opponent on it. It's freaking brilliant. AEW has done because BC, you you you, you, you stood mentioned up for it Shorty actually. G, Adam, you stood up for Shorty G. I'll never let you forget that. Like, what are you talking about? I said, I said, people have gotten over with worse. Yeah, you so stood up for it and, and 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 said it was fine. Oh, is he? Wait, is he not popping crowds right now? Did he not get a great? Dude, moment he's in Survivor? an oversized basketball uniform, and he's he's a world-renowned uh, amateur wrestler who was it's at the Olympics. Totally, it's totally ridiculous. Kurt Angle wore a tiny little cowboy hat on his head in in skits. Yes, in skits. 
Yeah, this is a terrible gimmick, and people have gotten over with worse. I'm just saying. You've protected it it from day one, Shorty. You've protected it. I haven't protected it at all. It's a terrible gimmick. Adam, one day you will leave this earth, and I will make sure that your obituary says protected the Shorty G gimmick. Well, I hope that's not anytime soon, BC. Um, But I think we're glossing over, at least in my opinion, the best moment of Dynamite, which was Chris Jericho and Scorpio Sky. I mean, to me, that was perfect storytelling, perfect booking. Jericho playing the perfect, you know, I think I'm smarter than you, but I'm actually an idiot. Heel, um, and he gets so involved and so egotistical. And Scorpio Sky, them finding a way to continue getting him over beyond him just winning matches, actually getting him over on the mic. That was the rep. But before Raw on Monday, of the prior seven days in terms of TV, that was the moment of the entire week for me. Yeah, Sky's showing you that that he's got it. And I didn't know he had it coming into I, this experiment. And I love it. You know what's interesting about this week's title match? A title change wouldn't shock me. Wow. Would stun me. Uh, I want to. Here's November 26th, 2019. Here's what I need to know. What is the relationship, if any, any, I mean, even the slightest, even a phone call, an email, a text message, smoke signal between AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling? How comfortable. Is AEW going to feel sending their champion over oh, on January fourth to face Hiroshi Tanahashi? How cuffed? What is what is this relationship now? AEW right now. Here's a look, and it could even be for a couple months. And I, and I would it be too early to put the title on Scorpio Sky? Absolutely, it would. Like you got a lot of build to do, but that is sitting in the back of my mind, January fourth, and what their relationship because. Among the reports, it's that the relationship is sour and almost like Tony Khan wants nothing to do with these guys, New Japan. But your champion, though, because of the contract you gave him, is going to go over there on January 4th and wrestle Hiroshi Tanahashi. Do you take the title off of him for the time being? Uh, And then, because it depends on what that relationship is between them and how comfortable they feel. I just think, and I, I really like Scorpio Sky, and I do think he's a future world champion. I think I mentioned it previously, but... I think to just do a title change now for that reason and have him hold it for two months and then drop it back to Jericho or something like that, it it takes away from how strong they've built Jericho. To have him lose to a guy who really, despite us liking him and fans will pop for it, isn't really a singles competitor. doesn't have that resume. I think getting him close and then changing the title down the line, giving him that opportunity is great. But you still have, let's not forget, Pac, and Hangman. That's why and I said. Kenny, and all well, these guys, it, it's just like. And the that's why I said, fight, were it to happen, it would be stupid. Like, I'm not saying it would be a good decision. I'm not saying that at all. They could do it. Right. And, well, plus AEW it could, Brian, looking to give us that holy shit moment. Yeah, I think and it's like too a, early in the war. It's Unless too, he's going to win it back in a week. It's too early in the overall critical and creative and ratings war and all that to do it. It's an interesting thought, though. But, guys, the tape machines are running. We got to get out of here. Uh, Jerry Lawler is unbearable on commentary, so let that sit in. I can't do this anymore in 2019. <laughs> it's just it's like I'm almost waiting for him to run into an accidental racist joke, he- too, because I just cannot handle it anymore. We don't have time to, to break it down, though. And um, CM Punk's must-see TV on Tuesday nights at WWE Backstage. Can't wait to see which direction it's going to go because I'd love to if if this is not a long play work which it very much could be for him to come back to the company or maybe it's not but it will end up being that I would love to hear Vince's reactions every week when he comes out and gives 
when when Punk comes out and continues to give his onyx take and rip what deserves to be ripped, uh, uh, Fox, right now, Fox, you're doing well with that because you have made that show. Uh, I, I dude, I was giddy as a school child last Tuesday watching that. Damn, thank you, CM Punk. I don't even like you, Phil Brooks, but you 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 won me over. You brought the CM onto set. We needed Punk. We didn't need Brooks. We needed Punk, and you gave it to us. Two quick notes on that before we get out. One is I'm very excited to see what he does do in that role once he watches the product and is familiar with it because they were doing previews for Survivor Series and he's just like, yeah, Brock works good with small people. I'm like, that was his entire analysis. Yeah, you had so a weird once tweet. He actually goes through the you, process right. and catches up on Raw and SmackDown and the pay-per-views and NXT, I'm going to be really excited too. I just want fans to know he's not going to be on backstage every week. He's not on this week. They, he's a contributor. He's part of the show. He's not an every week co-host. Uh, so if they don't bring him on this week. So that's a fail. That's a fail. You know for sure he's not on Yeah, he's week? not on tonight. He's uh, not on tonight. That's a fail. Yeah, he already announced it. After Triple that H kind of momentum, tonight. that's a monster fail. But all right, that is what it is, Fox. You just took a step back because this has to be every week now. You, you got people's attention. It's got to be every week. Uh, I forgot the guy's name. I wish I had it. Somebody DM'd or tweeted us and was like, um, don't you understand? He hates Vince so much. That he's doing this to get on backstage to rip WWE's product. And then at the peak of it, when you think he's showing up at Mania, he's going to show up at AEW. I don't believe that. But if that happened, that'd be some 2019 version of Scott Hall and the full uh, Canadian tuxedo showing up in the crowd. Like that would be some ish that I'm I... Quite sure. I'm quite sure there's a clause in his Fox contract. I'm sure, sure there's a clause of how much I can spit when brand. I talk because I'm excited. Uh, Hogan, take us out of here. And as I see the raw pink meat on your back, brother, I'm going to take it to another level. Yes. I will transform from Hulk to Hollywood. Yes. I will double strap you with both fists and you will scream to the heavens, please, Hollywood, don't hurt me anymore. And I will never stop. That was from the video of him and Bubba the Love Sponge's wife. We just did track that down. Um, <laughs> guys, follow us at State of Combat. Uh, check out our interview special this week with uh, Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley, and the one and only Kane, Glenn Jacobs, talking about his new book, Politics, all that good stuff. Uh, that's it. The interview's over. It's time to say goodbye, guys. Kane, you know, say goodbye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. Bye. Okay, now get out of here. Well, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. No, yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. For Jacko, the SK, it's your boy BC. We out.